You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Greetings, happy Monday. Welcome to Westwood One here, the Steve Day Show podcast. That would be me, powered by CRTV. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. And we would love it if you would join us. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D E A C E. We mentioned CRTV, just wrapped up production for today's television show for CRTV. Let's give the audience a preview. Aaron, what do you want uh, the audience to be looking forward to today on CRTV? Today's uh, conversation, roundtable conversation, trying to figure out um, any if anything can be figured out about uh, Rudy Giuliani and Trump and uh, where this... this Stormy Daniels payment slash potential obstruction of FEC violation, where this all could be heading. It is um, it is a cornucopia of head-scratching moves and a lot of consequences for a lot of people, except for, you know, Donald Trump. Todd? I learned that John McCain is beloved by America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's that. So... If you want to learn some things too, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, today's a good day, to as good as any, uh, to finally sign up, take advantage of that free trial, because if you cancel before it's up, you won't be charged anything if you decide, you know what, this just isn't for me. Uh, but if you stick around, I think you'll find that uh, it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. And not just our show, but to every single show we do here each day at CRTV, from the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, right on down the line to little old us here at the Steve Dace Show. Promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, CRTV.com. Well, this is a Monday Weekend News and Views podcast. Now, last Monday just had news breaking all over the place over the weekend. This was more of a, you know, a typical, nice, relaxing, nothing major unless you're in the way of a, you know, potentially cataclysmic volcano in Hawaii right now. Nothing particularly earth-shattering breaking over the weekend. And there's a headline from our own backyard that dominated particularly conservative media, but it made its way into liberal mainstream legacy media as well. And since it's something I've got intimate knowledge with, uh, I want to address a few things about it. Because I think the way that this story has been covered is symptomatic of why we lose the larger war on a consistent basis. One of the things you've heard me say before and you're probably going to hear me say a lot more into the future, is the truth is its own reward. The truth is its own reward. And it appears that we on the right, many pockets of us anyway, are not content with the truth as its own reward, just as we've seen from our adversaries on the left for going on a generation now. And so... If the truth is not its own reward, and typically we come to that 
because it's it doesn't give us the truth that we want. And so we need a new truth, our own truth. We need to stand in my truth. I I now see conservatives using this language, standing in my truth. Which means they're not conservatives, by the way. Well, you would think not. I mean, the the point of cons- the, the root word of conservative is conserve. So what are we conserving? I, I, I don't give a rip about conserving your truth. I'm, I, I'll, you know, risk it all to conserve the truth. But more and more on the right, because, you know, when you have a systemic cultural breakdown, it will begin in the places that are openly opposed to the way things ought to be. It'll always start there. But ultimately, if, if those on the right side of history, the real right side of history, lose their resolve, their zeal, their appetite for the truth, their resolve, virtue to fight for it, it'll eventually, once it's done consuming those on the, on the, on the wrong side of history, it will eventually make its way to the right side of history too. When the locusts are done with one crop, they're never satiated. They don't say, okay, we're spent, we're done here. They will just, its instinct will kick in and the, the, the swarm will move on to just the next crop that can be consumed. And right now, now that the entire left has been consumed by postmodern partisan magical thinking, we're now watching much of the right being consumed by it as well. I mean, the great irony was watching Neil Cavuto last week on Fox read viewer mail from people offended that he would dare confront Trump about Stormy Daniels and his deceptions in that story. While at the same time, you know, those are people that just can't get enough when we, we rip on those liberal millennial snowflakes that can't hear a contrarian view. Well, where do you think those liberal millennial snowflakes came from? Were they hatched? Where do we, where do we get a culture of young adults who are, who, who, where, where were the minds shaped and formed that contrarian views or things that don't tell me I'm the hostess with the mostest and I'm the prettiest all the time? I, I should be willing to listen to those and willing to be entertained by them. Where, do you think they just, they, this, is what, this was a generation that had a psychotic break and it just all happened on its own in a vacuum? Well, of course not. Maybe it, it was modeled to them by parents and grandparents like the ones that were emailing Cavuto last week. We used to think we were the people of truth. But the truth isn't good enough anymore. And I've seen that over the weekend with the heartbeat bill in my backyard. Now, I don't like the bill. It's not the bill we put up the entire legislative session. It is weighted down and watered down from the bill that passed out of the state Senate. It does not do much of what you are being told in the media, particularly in the conservative media. It does not ban all abortions if a heartbeat can be detected. How many times? I was actually not going to address this story. All right? And the reason why is because of what I'm going to say next. Despite my misgivings with the bill, 
it's it's actually the first real substantive challenge a state legislature has passed to put a court a a a substantive court challenge to Roe versus Wade. It's the first one that's been passed by a state legislature in my career. And I would argue since going back to Casey v. Pennsylvania in 1992, a quarter century ago. Aaron, what year were you born? 93. 93. That's before you were born. And that case, by the way, is why Governor Casey, that's what the Casey v. Planned Parenthood was. Governor Casey was really the last truly pro-life Democrat in American elected office. And when that case was making its way to the courts at the time, he was invited to speak by Bill Clinton at the 1992 Democratic Convention to show, hey, Al Gore used to be a pro-life Democrat too. Remember the 80s? He claimed to be a pro-life Democrat, Al Gore. And that was his running mate. And Bill Clinton wanted to show America, we're not Michael Dukakis. We're not the same leftist progressives that you guys have just rejected. We're new Democrats now. And so here's our pro-life Democratic governor from the key battleground state of Pennsylvania. And they gave him a primetime speaking slot. And you know what happened? They basically booed him. The base basically booed him off the stage. And it was such a bad moment for, the, for Bill Clinton's convention. That's the last time a truly pro-life person has been permitted to speak in a primetime slot at a Democratic National Convention. That was a quarter century ago, before Aaron was born, actually. Think about that. If the headline of, the, if the headline of this bill that you saw all weekend in either liberal media or even some very prominent conservative media sites, had simply said, Iowa passes toughest challenge to row in 25 years. I would not be doing this podcast right now. Because my original plan was we weren't going to address it because I do believe it's the first substantive challenge to row despite my problems with the bill. And th- I do think this is an example of you don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. I hate using that line because it's so it's so misused nowadays. To me, and I just I I do what my conscience and and God says is wrong, be- but I'm going to do it anyway, and this is my justification for it. Okay, so I don't even use this phrase anymore because it's been bastardized so often. But there is a time and a place that you don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. So I was willing to just let this go, and let's get into the courts and let's see what happens. Because I really don't want to look like I'm undermining the bill, particularly because we did get a majority of Republicans in the state Senate to pass the bill we wanted, which said any human being that has a heartbeat, period, cannot be killed, period. No exceptions. Heartbeat equals life. And we got about 95% of the Republicans in our House of Representatives to go along with that, too. So I don't see a need to kill people who are willing to do what I wanted them to do because there were a few that were not. That being said, the bill does not do what you are being told. And I I just, I wasn't going to say a word, but I I could not sit here all weekend and watch all of these misleading stories. Did you guys see these? I saw some of them, yes. I mean, there's one story in the Daily Caller. God bless him, man. It's one of the biggest conservative things. They're in the top five traffic sites in the conservative media. And their headline says, Iowa bans all abortions if there's a heartbeat. And you click on that. Now, how many people even click on a headline anymore? People just read headlines. They read the blurb on mm-hmm. their, right? That's, that's what they think the story is. But you click on the headline, and I go down like the third or fourth paragraph, and it mentions all the exceptions in the bill. 
So right away, the story actually contradicts its own headline. The, the, the bill does not ban. You keep being told this. It does not ban all abortions in case of a heartbeat being detected. It does not do that. Yet that is the story making the rounds. And it's because the truth isn't good enough for us anymore. It should be good enough for us that we did the best we could. We have a few rhinos left. But at least we got something in the courts that said a heartbeat indicates life. Because we're And we're getting closer to the argument that we want to have, which is when does life begin? I could make the argument that from a, a legal tactical standpoint... This compromised heartbeat bill is better legislation than fetal pain or 20-week bills that have no exceptions. Why? Because fetal pain and 20-week bills, aren't, even if they have no exceptions, aren't asking the question, aren't, aren't begging the legal question that is at the heart of uprooting Roe. And that question is what? When does life begin? When does life begin? They don't ask that. The fetal pain bill says that's a, that, that being is sentient because it can experience pain so you can't harm it. Well, I mean, the Humane Society agrees with, with that when it comes to your pets. That, that doesn't tell me anything about the sanctity of life. That's a quality of life argument. Meaning that the quality of this being's life has developed to the point that it can feel pain so you can't hurt it. Well, over the weekend, there was a family whose kid was in a coma and couldn't feel anything. And they'd even signed off on the organ donor papers, shut it, turn off the machines, he's not coming back. Then he woke up, said, hi, mom and dad, and did interviews on camera like nothing ever happened. You know what I'm saying? You know who, the quality of life arguments are actually what the Margaret Sanger Planned Parenthood crowd believe. That's the, that's the, just, that's the gist of their argument. The child will be born mentally disabled. The child will be born physically disabled. The child will be born to parents that don't love him. The child will be born into poverty, to squalor. Will be a human weed. Yes. And so the quality of their life does not indicate it's a life worthy of having. When That's the argument Planned Parenthood makes, right? That's their whole utilitarian Malthusian argument. And increasingly bakers and florists and yes. people who think like us. Well, when we make fetal pain or 20-week bill arguments, that's the argument we're making. Exactly. We're saying the same thing. Yes. That this baby's developed enough now that we can't justify hurting it. But if it was at 19 weeks, six days, or 19 weeks, 23 hours, and 59 minutes, that would not be the case. That's a, that's a quality of life argument. By the way, one of the things that Kermit Gosnell was charged with was he was lying, falsifying patient records in Pennsylvania on, you know, on, I think they had a 23-week bill was the, was the bill in Pennsylvania. Newsflash, we don't have a neo, neonatal board, okay? There's not a central warehouse where once, a, once a, a woman announces she's pregnant, she's monitored by some central monitor, regulatory agency. So who is reporting the stage of the pregnancy? Who's reporting that? The woman herself. And, and who else? The doctor she goes to see. So in other words, when a girl goes to Planned Parenthood in your state to have her kid killed, the quote-unquote doctor at Planned Parenthood is the one who certifies 
on behalf of the state law how far along the child is. Do you think they might ever lie, guys? Think they might ever lie? I'm certain both lie, patient and doctor alike. Let me tell you what happens if you're the planned parent or doctor that turns a girl away because you have a 23-week law in your state and she's one or two days over that. You're getting fired because you're Your ass is canned by Planned Parenthood. You're a former Planned Parenthood doctor. That's what happens, guys. Okay? So you are literally relying on folks who kill children for a living to suddenly have their conscience kick in that, that, well, you know, the law says 23 weeks. I can't do more than that. Uh, good luck with that. I mean, that's well beyond Blanche Dubois getting by on the kindness of strangers. You're, you're, you're counting on Murder Incorporated to tell you the truth. Now, I kind of think if you're willing to kill innocents for money, lying about them really isn't a huge, you know, isn't a, isn't a bridge too far for you. That's a coffee break. All right. But okay. They defend rapists, Steve. I mean, how many tapes have we all listened to with Lila Rose at live action? And and she pretends to be the 15, 16 year old girl and she's not of age and she doesn't want her parents. Her parents won't sign off on the abortions. They coach her to say, my boyfriend raped me. I've been date raped. How many? We've all heard these, right? Murderers lie, guys. So that's why I could make the argument that a heartbeat bill, even this one, as weighed down by exceptions as it is, is a is a better legislation than the perfectly written fetal pain 20-week bill. Because it doesn't beg the question that's at the heart of our argument. When does life begin? Now, if I were a pagan judge and you put a bill on my desk to be adjudicated and the argument of the quote-unquote pro-life crowd is that anytime there's a heartbeat it signifies life and then they turn around after making that argument they then turn right around and say except if the kid was conceived in rape incest as a fetal abnormality right Mm -hmm. if I were that pagan judge I would be like why are you asking me to consider your point when you don't even believe your point you don't believe a heartbeat equals life. You don't believe that. You don't believe that. I really wish that would happen because but we clearly I, can't count for most people on our side to point that yes. out. Yes. Now, I doubt, though, a pagan judge will do that. Now, if I were a pagan judge, that's what I would do. I, I'd take your own argument and hang you with it. I, I'm not. Why, why would you ask me to consider an argument you're making in your own legislation that your own legislation contradicts? You want to make this high-minded pronouncement that heartbeat, a heartbeat always signifies life, and then you want to tell me, especially we just got done, we just got done shedding tears for Alfie Evans because of his fetal deformity. He can't be cured, so he has to die. And in the days after Alfie Evans, we're going to come right back and say fetal deformity, uh, you can kill the you kid. Knew if we would. You knew we would. Knew we would. If I were a pagan judge or a a panel of three or five or seven or nine pagan judges in a federal or a circuit court somewhere, a Supreme Court, I would laugh this legislation out of my courtroom. Because I would look at you and say, I'm not going to consider your point until you do. You don't even believe your own legislation. 
you're already telling me there's exceptions to what your point is. So why the hell should I consider your point? Now, I highly doubt a pagan judge is going to do that. Because you can already see the tribalism setting in. The reaction of the Planned Parenthood crowd is what you saw in Texas a few years ago with Hail Satan and tampon tosses. And they're losing their poop over this. And the reason they're losing their poop over this is because this is begging the question they never want to debate. It's Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former head of the Democratic National Committee, looking foolish when an when a attractive young woman comes up to her and says, can I interview you? And she immediately typecast her as, well, you are an attractive young woman. You must be a third wave feminist like me. Sure. And she p- turns on her phone camera and says, when you were pregnant with your children before they were born, did you consider your children alive? Were they your children? And Debbie Wasserman Schultz literally craps her freaking depends and can't hit the eject button fast enough. This is the argument they don't want to have. Because while they don't care that it's a lie being, they don't care. Most Americans are still appalled by the notion we execute people that we consider to be alive. That's why they want to have every argument other than what is a live being. For 45 years as a movement, we have made great cultural arguments, great medical arguments. Our legal arguments have sucked, sucked, because we refuse to make this argument. When is a life a life? This is Catholic Congressman Steve King publicly going after a, an organization that's essentially an offshoot of the Catholic Church, National Right to Life, because they won't support his heartbeat bill in Congress. And he's asking them, do we really want to overturn Roe here or not? Or is that what we're in this for or not? Do you want to regulate abortion or do you want to end it? See, there's a difference between being anti-slavery and being an abolitionist. You can be anti-slavery and think, I find the practice in and of itself unseemly, inhumane, and disgusting and immoral. But it's politically not practical to go into all these southern states and end it. So let's just say, after we get past Missouri, it won't go any further west and contain it. And then there's the abolitionist that says, because of all the things you just said about it, my conscience cannot abide coexisting with such an evil. So I will not. Similarly, you can be anti-abortion. You can find Planned Parenthood, Murder, Inc., disgusting, filthy, wicked. You can want to hang Kermit Gosnell on the internet. But then look at, then look at polling numbers and say, we just can't win elections if we take this position. So we have to tolerate a certain amount of this evil. And then you can be an abolitionist or pro-life and say, because it's because abortion is all the wicked things you just defined, it has to go. A civilized people should not suffer this. And the distinction I'm drawing you see in the scriptures. Look at go th- read Chronicles and Kings and look at the lineages of Jewish kings. One king's good, one king's bad. And then every now and then they'll point out that there's a good king who did even better than the good kings. And the distinction is, so-and-so was a good king, but he didn't remove the high places when he was in charge. Then there's a Josiah. Josiah was a good king, even removing the high places when he was in charge. That's what I'm talking about. 
meaning someone wanted wanted God's law, the law of Moses, to be the law of the Jewish people. But they didn't have the political courage or temerity to go up to the hills where the Asherah poles were and 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 the cult of sexual depravity for Baal and Asherah was practiced and temple prostitution and people would go there to watch and engage. And they didn't want to go up there. They didn't have the political courage to go up there and tear down the idol that people clutched the closest. So they allowed it to exist essentially in a red light district and then made sure every place else followed the law of Moses. And then every now and then there's the king like a Josiah who says, screw that noise. In fact, I'm starting up there and working my way down. We're burning those things to the ground first and then we'll get down here to the valleys. But there's not very many of those. Even most of the good kings thought, like Hezekiah, I don't know, this bad stuff that's going to happen to my people, will it happen when I'm king? The prophet says no, and he's like, eh, did my best. Not my problem. That's most of your politicians today. So you can be anti-abortion and not be pro-life, just like you can be anti-slavery and not be an abolitionist. Let me stop right there for a second. Do you guys think I have spelled out this distinction clearly enough? Absolutely. In a way that was utterly necessary. As yes. Well. This is a poorly conceived attempt to do an actual pro-life bill. All of your fetal pain bills are not pro-life bills. All of your 20-week bills, they are not pro-life bills. They are anti-abortion bills, meaning you're regulating a practice you don't like. But you're not, you're not really engaging a policy or making an argument through your policy which takes any discernible step towards eliminating it. You're not. It's the old B1 Bob Dornan line, the great pro-life Catholic congressman from New York. Any bill that ends with, and then you can kill the baby, is not a pro-life bill. Doesn't mean it won't save children. Assuming again that, you know, the Kermit Gosnells of the world will be honest when they, when they gauge how far along the pregnancy is and they won't just lie. Now, heartbeat's a lot tougher to lie about because we're going much earlier than 19, 20, 23 weeks. That's much more difficult. Like you can't have you can't have a girl come in who is showing she's clearly pregnant and then say, well, we don't have a heartbeat here, guys, so let's kill. It's, it's, this one's a lot, not saying they won't lie. Murderers will lie. This one's a lot more difficult to lie about. But they'll try, I'm sure. But the other thing that it does, again, is I'm not anti-incrementalism. I just don't think making the other side's argument for them is incrementalism. (laughs) I think that's losing. This is an example of making our argument incrementally. Because we're getting closer to when we ultimately believe and that science affirms and God declares when life begins. The reasoning is sound. No human being would logically argue that a heartbeat does not signify this is a life. That's the argument we want to have. When is a life a life? And so heartbeat legislation is a big step forward incrementally in getting us to the point. Because if we can get, if we can get the, the affirmation that a heartbeat indicates life, now we're debating the question. We're making them debate our point. We're off reproductive freedom and all their other fake eugenicist Margaret Sanger, Thanos, Thanosian talking points. That'll be tomorrow's podcast, by the way. Who said it? Margaret Sanger or Thanos? All right. 
we're, we're off their talking points. Now they're arguing ours. I, I, I promise you, Cecile Richards will not be moved by the acknowledgement that she's killing live beings. I promise you. Unless the Holy Spirit intervenes, no, no argument, no ultrasound is going to move her. Okay? But she's not a lot of other people in this country. There's a lot of other people in this country that if, if, they, if they truly had to come to grips with what was going on here, their conscience would get the better of them. And the, and the Cecile Richards of the world know that too. That's why they even fight ultrasound bills. They know that. They know that. That's why they don't put in their actual branding, come here and get rid of the baby you don't want. They don't put that in there. Did they put that in their commercial branding? Hmm. Yeah. No, no, they don't. Because the number of people that would fall for it would drop precipitously because their conscience would kick in. So they lie to you instead. It's an unviable tissue mass. It's a clump of cells. It's just a fetus. So this legislation, I saw Al Mohler at the Southern Baptist Convention said that Iowa passed a, a bill that will be really difficult for the Supreme Court to ignore. I agree with that analysis. Now, my hope is there isn't a pagan judge out there that thinks like me, that doesn't just sit there and look at Iowa's heartbeat bill and say, why the hell would I consider your bill when you've already contradicted it? But knowing how, knowing that this is their ultimate idol, this is the ultimate idol of the left. It is their number one public sacrament, the killing of children. When you're engaged in that level of idolatry, critical thinking is, a long, is gone, far gone. You're going to defend your idol. I mean, if, you were, if, if a pagan judge was that capable of critical thinking, chances are they wouldn't be a pagan judge, if you know what I'm saying. They would have realized, dude, I'm totally full of feces. Like, everything I believe is a scam. If they were able of that level of, of critical thinking introspection, chances are they wouldn't believe the stupid crap that they do. Okay? Which puts them in the box of having to answer the question, when does life begin? When is a life a life? Now, I have a lot of potential reasons why much of conservative media believes it has to lie to you. All of those potential reasons are bad. They're all bad. Either they're not doing their homework, they're absolute shill jobs, or they think that you can't take any news other than Team GOP, rah-rah, we tiptoe between the raindrops without getting wet, and when we step on landmines, we're so blessed they don't go off. I, 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 it, I don't see any other alternatives other than those three. Do you see any other alternatives other than those three? No, I think that narrows it down. And it should have been just good enough to tell you Iowa passes a bill that seeks to define when life begins. That'd been fine. Iowa passes a bill that offers the most substantive challenge to Roe v. Wade in a long time. That'd have been fine too. But this notion you're being sold that we just banned every abortion in the state if there's a heartbeat, we didn't do that, actually. We didn't. We, we made a good, logical, legal case for our argument while kind of undermining it at the same time. But luckily, we probably undermined it in a way that the other side of the argument, it's not in their best interest to try to exploit. 
so I, I don't know why we had to be blatantly dishonest covering this over the weekend. I, I don't I don't know why. But like I said, there's a lot of potential reasons. None of them are good. Republican majority Republican leadership in the Iowa House loaded this up with exceptions because they did not want to they here's why they did it. They did it because they didn't want to have an actual vote of the clean bill in the House because it would have told us who to primary next year. That's why. And they wanted to keep who the real rhinos are hidden. And so they all get together in their cloak rooms and their caucus rooms and say, how do we get this passed? What, do you, what language do you need to get you to put your vote on it? And this was the language they needed to put their vote on it. Because in the end, it was more about protecting, their, getting the maximum political benefit with the least amount of political risk than it was actually overturning Roe. That doesn't mean, though, that the bill as it's currently constructed still does not make a viable argument against Roe. It does. It's just not the greatest thing since sliced bread like you have been sold. You know, I, I, don't, I don't need to believe that Thomas Jefferson was a Trinitarian thinker to appreciate all of his contributions to the founding of America. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to believe that. I don't... I don't need to believe Thomas Jefferson never slept with Sally Helms and there's evidence both for and against, you know, I don't, I don't need to believe that. I don't need to believe George Washington, um, you know, might've had some theological views I don't agree with to appreciate his heroism. The truth is its own reward. I'm satisfied. The truth's good enough for me. Just tell me what the truth is. We just, we just hired a PR firm here at CRTV. And I had a conference call with them last week. And I wonder if I stunned them. Because I literally told them on the call, I want you to tell me exactly where I'm at from a platform standpoint. Exactly what I'm doing wrong, doing right. Is there a way to get on Fox's radar? Because that is the, that's the nadir of conservative media. Can I get on Fox's radar doing anything other than Trump shilling? Are there other ways to do it? If there are, tell me and I'll do them. I'm not above grow. I want I want our platform to grow, don't you? Yeah. Now I, I told them also, if the price, if the toll is, I have to become a ball washer. Answer is always no. Never going to do that. But I, but it, but if that is the price, just tell me that. And if there's thing, if if there's if there's another price beyond that, and I can pay it, tell me that. I don't need you to tell me. I'm doing great. I know I'm not doing great. We're doing well. We've grown quite a bit. We could grow more. I told them flat out, don't butter me up. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth, no matter how brutal it is. I can't fix a problem if I don't know what it actually is. I know most people just aren't wired that way. Truth's not good enough. So this is not some mythological piece of legislation. It's practically what probably the best that could have been done in the current political environment that we have. Although I'm still not entirely sold on that. I mean, if I were sitting in that Republican caucus, I'd have made those folks vote. I'd have raised so much cane, raised so much stink. I'd have made, I'd have outed those rhinos and made them vote no on this pro-life bill, specifically so our base would know who to primary next year. That's what I would have done. Because I don't care about caucus cohesion. 
I don't care about being a team player. I don't care that we all go out to, for steaks and martinis and cigars at 801 Grand after. I don't want to pretend to like you anyway. I'm going home. I'm not doing any of that. Okay? So I'm not entirely convinced it's the best we could have gotten. I think it's the best people were willing to do. That's a different thing. The best you could have done is different than the best you're willing to do. All right? Like my son, I caught over the weekend. Why, are you, why is your flipping homework taking so long? I realized. Snuck up on him. Dude is sitting there listening to Star Wars podcasts while he's doing his homework. <laughs> True story, bro. Apple doesn't fall far yeah. from a tree. And, and first I had to gather myself and think, I'm really proud of Love you, Love you, son. And then I realized I needed to keep that to myself because that's not the message mom needs me to communicate right now. So I needed to prepare myself to be the hard ass, to be the bad guy, right? So after I, was, after I pumped my fist when he didn't see me, okay, I then got my game face on. I'm like, that cannot happen. Verboten. So, you know, he was telling me I'm doing the best I can, I'm the I'm doing the best I can do. No, you're doing the best you're willing to do while while listening to Star Wars podcasts on a Saturday afternoon. Cuz I'm like, what kind you would think with a kid on a beautiful Saturday afternoon after it's been so terrible all spring. And his chores and everything are all done, you would think the discipline would have to be he just did a, a shoddy job on his homework just to get it all done so he can go sure. play, right? I'm like, what kind of kid doesn't complain about doing his homework in stores on a beautiful spring day for six hours on a Saturday? That, something ain't right about that. Well, I figured out why it wasn't a complaint. Because the dude just sat there with his books open while he was listening to some Star Wars theory podcasts. That's why he didn't mind it. You know? So there's the best you can do, and then there's the best you're willing to do. And something tells me if I take that phone away so he can't listen to those Star Wars podcasts... Something tells me that homework's going to get in a lot quicker. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, because he can do better. It's just he wasn't willing to. Similarly with the Republicans in our state house, They could do better than this bill. They could do better. They just weren't willing to. That's why they came to us at the very end and loaded this thing up with so many exceptions. So the rhinos, the four or five pure, true, unadulterated rhinos, the Susan Collins types, would vote for it. Now, if I was in their caucus... I'd have made their life a living hell because I don't care. And your tears and your screams and your wailings and the sympathetic columns in the Des Moines Register for your plight, I bathe in them. It's like a massage, okay? I, I can't get enough of them. You're, you're, they bring me pleasure. I'm not motivated. I don't care. And I'm not calling you when we're done with our session anyway. Because I hate this place and I only come here because I have to. So none of those arguments would work on somebody like me. But I understand I'm more antisocial than most of you are. So those arguments work on normal people. So this was the best they were willing to do, not the best they could do. But the best they're willing to do still has a chance to create, a chart a path for us to start making arguments about when does life begin as opposed to how do we regulate the most barbaric practice of the age. And so for that reason, it is a, it is a substantive legal step forward. But it is not the best they could do. It does not ban all abortions in case there's a heartbeat. And you haven't been told the total and complete truth about this all weekend long. 
And that's why I felt compelled to clarify and correct. Final thoughts, gentlemen. Well, what you uh, just described was a the thinking behind it is a version of what I've long said uh, on this show about how I would approach this uh, with progressives, offering them, hey, if you and I, if we're talking, you and I are, uh, get to be uh, kings the for the day strategy, and right? decide that. Call yeah. the bluff strategy. Uh, you give me the 95 plus percent of abortions that aren't the rape, incest, and uh, whatever. Uh, I'll give you the others. I know. And I know they won't take it because that's their bottom line, even right. though they... Uh, but I also to have to... Root, to root out their false yes. objection. But I also need to be prepared in the event that they do take it. Like in Schindler's List, if you'll recall, he's like, Oscar Schindler's feeling... To, I just feel so useless. And uh, Ben Kingsley's character shows him, out, this list is life. Mm-hmm. I would take that while saying, I'm not going to say that those lives don't matter. Uh, this what we are going to go for saving these 95% is a prayer on our knees begging forgiveness for to uh, from God for all the sins of the past and the sins that we cannot atone for now but in the future may what we're trying to do here be a prayer to save all of them God forgive us for not being able to do better but not whitewashing it and so I think Stephen is very much communicating uh, the thinking that I've uh, long tried to uh, project about how we deal with this honestly at every single turn. I think one of the hallmarks of conservatism moving forward, especially in this area era where there's so much tribalism, so much fake news, and so much desire for the show, and so much desire for, honestly, clicks and delivering something for your base, one of the hallmarks of conservatism going forward is not just the set of principles that we uphold or we, we say that we value. That's part of it. But one of the hallmarks of conservative thought has to be the drawing of distinctions. Yep. Because that's how we are going to find the truth. In an age of tribalism and fake news, we always want to sw- swing the pendulum from one side to the other. This is completely terrible or this is completely uh, good. No, that's not how we get the truth. That's how we get more tribalism. How we get the truth is being able to to draw distinctions like we just did in in this. We had a conversation, for for whatever reason, this sticks out in my mind, why we treat, uh, you know, in trade policy, why we treat uh, China differently than we do Mexico. It's just how we, it's just taking the world for what it is and drawing distinctions like we just heard in this matter on this heartbeat bill where it's not all bad it's not the best thing but we can also we can find a truth in that and we can get closer to the truth by being by being adults and drawing distinctions well i hope i hope this went a long way in doing what aaron just talked about and if we can't tell the truth to one another and we're on the same side of the argument. I don't know how we reach people that aren't on our side right now with the truth. And this is one of those little things where there, there isn't any reason to be intellectually dishonest about it. There just isn't. And if you guys want to know why I didn't talk about this right away late last week, it's th- this is why. It, it, I just, the truth needs to be its own reward. The truth is good on its own. It'll stand on its own. 
And the truth is, 90 some odd percent of the Republicans we elected in this state went on the record they were willing to do the right thing and go all the way for it. Five to 10 percent were not. The ones that were on the record doing the right thing weren't really weren't willing to go scorched earth to confront the five to ten percent that weren't. And so that leaves us with this was the best we could get. And it does still beg the argument of when does life begin, even while it's compromising the argument that it's begging. And so for that reason, it is worthy of supporting. In the, in, the, in the court process. But it is not the bill you're being sold. And it's just really sad that I have to sit here and correct the record on something to this extent when the truth of what it actually is should have been good enough on its own. Should have been good enough on its own. I, I can't make up my mind, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, is it because our audiences in conservative media have become snowflake in and they just aren't adults and can't draw a distinction? So we think we have to, so we got to spoon feed you, we got to nurse mate you, or is it, are we just making that assumption? You know what I mean? When really you guys can handle a lot more truth than we are giving you credit for, right? It's the whole cheese at stake argument Daniel Horowitz and I have been having all throughout the course of this year. I go back and forth on this one. And I had hoped to avoid this conversation because I did not want to be seen undermining this bill. But I felt like my hand was forced when my audience is being told something about what's going on in my own neighborhood that's not true. And the truth is just fine on its own. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Hey, click subscribe if you listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay. The more of you do that, the more of you that do that, the more people that uh, listen. They follow your lead. Thank you to all of you who have already done so. And if you haven't yet let or yet left us a positive review, that would help as well. If you've already done so, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate that because those help to get the word out about what we do here too. John three seventeen. Is Steve Dace. I like it, you.